Good morning. You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official untapped podcast. Your weekly look into what's happening in the untapped community and the world of beer. This episode is brought to you by the upcoming Untapped Beer Festival. That's right. We're going to San Diego's Petco Park, and we're going to be drinking real beers with real people on October 1st and 2nd, bringing more than 70 breweries with us, including some untapped royalty like Drecker and El Segundo and Pizza Port and more. VIP access is going to include beers from Horace Aged Ales, Tripping Animals, and Vitamin C Brewing. This is going to be really excited. VIP and general admission tickets are still available if you visit festivals.untapped.com. For more info, use the coupon code DSPODCAST. You'll see that right on your screen if you're watching on YouTube. That's going to save you 10 bucks off of VIP tickets and 5 bucks off of general admission. So I'm basically offering you free money to go drink beer, if you can rationalize it that way, use the coupon code DSPODCAST in all caps, and we'll see you in America's finest city with some of the world's finest beers on October 1st and 2nd. Also, if you want to hear this message again, like and subscribe. Follow us on YouTube or your favorite podcast player. You'll hear new things from John and Harrison and Untapped every Wednesday. Speaking of Harrison, he's all ready to go. To the window, to the wall, to the port. Is that how that song goes? Yeah, okay. That's not important. Yeah, no, 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 don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. To the past. What is important are porters. So a style that in recent years I've heard referred to as that other dark beer. Uh, to me, it feels like craft beer hit a fork in the road about a decade ago. Before us all lay the path of the porter and the path of the stout. And we, the consumers, brewers, the blog, everyone in the craft beer world didn't walk, but ran down that dark, windy, roasty path of the stout. And what followed was a decade of wild innovation leading us to today where I can consume at any given moment a barrel-aged, fruited breakfast stout infused with lactose and cake and get my weekly calories all in one can of beer. I have 70 different breweries at my local bottle shop, offer me their take on that stout. So how did we get here? And really, why did we get here? Opting overall for the more roasty, coffee-nosed, dark beer that is the stout. To answer that, we have to jump back in time, even further to the Industrial Revolution in London. The porter, which actually came first before the stout, uh, named after the porters in Covent Garden that really enjoyed them, I was being experimented with by brewers using this newly created brewing technology, thanks to that industrial revolution making stronger or stout porters, which eventually just became known as stouts. And they took off in popularity even more than their older, maybe wiser and better looking brother, the porter, did. And therein lies our answer, John. This the rise of the stout is just another classic example of little brother syndrome. If you're not familiar with Little Brother Syndrome, that's because I just made it up. But you probably know the concept. Big brothers, right? They come in, learn all the ropes, get in trouble all the time, but then work hard to figure out ways of the world so they avoid trouble next. And then they kindly pass down this knowledge to their younger sibling, who, instead of being gracious after gifting the cheat codes of life, gives older brother the old metaphorical ha, see ya, and proceeds to use and abuse his unearned knowledge 
to excel in everything the older brother attempted at doing, well, barely even trying, uh, and never gets in trouble because, well, I mean, at that point, the parents are all burned out for years of punishing the older brother. That lucky son. Oh, sorry. Getting getting carried away. Got some waffles on the show. Uh, Indeed. Um, But, uh, okay, sorry about that, guys. I forgot you all are still here, but don't worry. I'm not not bitter, although I hope the porter we're going to have in a little bit is, at least slightly. Um, But thanks for letting me vent and saving some time in this week's therapy session. Let's get back to this beer. So I hope you'll join us by hitting pause on your stop button. And instead, celebrate the fruits of older brother Porter's labor today with us. We've got a classic Porter from Berkshire Brewing Company out of Massachusetts lined up. And another untapped badge to the port that Stouts can have no part of. Finally, John, save me from this existential crisis. I'm standing on the edge of here. The answer is cat or jump, depending on which crisis you're having. But I'm happy to, to jump in and save you from... Uh, Good. the porter and ah, little brother uh harrison are you an older brother well how'd you guess a little bit yes i am john your diagnosis was spot on and i could relate with all of that if my <laughs> brother is listening <laughs> you know what we're talking about right. anyways good point the badge that we're focusing and featuring on this episode is to the port and harrison mm. and i have already done a feature on a badge where you had to drink a beer at a port or a harbor. This is different. Different. Even though the name first made me think we're going out to the, we're going out to the sea again. Nope. This is about drinking a porter as Harrison's alluded to. When you earn this badge on untapped, you'll get the hint dating back to the 18th century. Porters remain an extremely popular style to this day. I'd make the argument it's almost time for a rewrite there because yeah. Stouts, as Harrison has alluded to, have started to kind of take over. In Indeed. order to earn this badge, you have to drink five beers on Untapped, labeled as a porter. So this could be a coffee porter, an American, yep. a Baltic, a double porter, imperial porter. As long as it says porter, you're generally pretty safe that you're going to be taking one up towards earning or leveling up this badge. Yeah, And Harrison already kind of explained most of the history on these beers. They emerged in England in the late 17, early 1800s, kind of becoming popular as a working class beer. Yeah. In, in around London at the time, you were a boatman, you were a punter, or you were a porter. Nobody knows what those jobs are today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think a punter is a rugby player or a football over here in the States. But either way, these were the beers that you would drink after a, a long shift and you'd have a, a porter named after the working class. Perhaps the style spread came to America. We changed it. There became a Baltic porter. They got yeah. stronger. Then they, then the stouts happened. So the porters had a rise and, and kind of a fall, I think, as we've seen craft stouts happen. And Harrison and I are yeah. really excited to, to bring back some excitement in the porter and, what do we bring into the show today, Harrison, that's going to get me excited about this sort of overlooked dark beer brother? Yeah. So, and I should say, I mean, obviously we'll talk in a moment. There, there, there are, if you're at home going, oh, what about sweet baby Jesus? What about all these other crazy porters? There are some, but I don't think anyone would argue there are just way more stouts out there today. So don't calm down. I hear you. I do know that there are wild porters, but I think again, we can all agree stouts are the thing to make crazy 
right now um, in the dark beer world. So I said, let's stop all that today and let's jump into a really classic porter, not even try to find like the dessert stouts counterpart in the porter world. Nope, we could probably do it, but we're going to enjoy instead Draymond's Porter from Berkshire Brewing Company, which is delicious. It's one of my favorites. As you guys probably know by now, I kind of started my, well, originally from New England. So this beer was everywhere, but it's classified as a Porter and Untapped. Other, it's a 6.2%, 36 IBUs. So that's great. Um, More than 7,000 check-ins on Untapped as well and carries a 377 rating, which is awesome. Um, And from the the brewery, it's a very well-balanced and full-body dark ruby brown ale. Draymond's Porter is slightly sweet with notes of chocolate malt and mocha married in a delicate hot bitterness and flavor. Excuse me. It's a complex aroma and smooth taste and body, all that a dark beer should be. enjoyed by itself or the hearty meal. This robust porter will satisfy. Don't be afraid of the dark. And we aren't. We're pros of all things in the dark, mostly beers. But I'm going to pour mine. Ah. I'm going to pour mine. John, if you already have you already dove it in for a dip, what do you know? Yeah, we, we are pros of everything that happens in the dark. That's yeah. a different podcast that we do. That's but right. um, yeah, so first sips on this beer is I expected the body to be a little bit lighter or thinner mm. than some of the big stouts I've drank recently. Right. And it, it might be, but it, it doesn't leave anything to be desired. The flavor, I, I would put this as like a more traditional style porter. We're not going into the realm of like vanilla, sweet baby Jesus. Yeah. It's It's got a little bitterness, but it's if I had to give it a flavor profile, it'd be almost like mocha or yeah. there's a little bitter coffee chocolate that's yep. happening. Yeah, I'm getting a ton of bitter coffee chocolate. That's, uh, yeah, and there's a nice... Um, I'm getting my wish. I hope for a bitter porter. There's bitterness. It kind of comes. It's fun. When you drink dark beers that have a nice hop profile to it, you can sometimes get like that bitter coffee flavor where the bitterness sure comes from the roasted malt, but also the hops a little bit. And it's, it's really talked about this before, but it's kind of hard to see like, where does the bitterness from roasting the malt end and the bitterness from the hop profile begin? It's kind of hard to tell, but yeah, I get like, it's like, it's those cool fruity chocolate notes almost in here that you get from again, certain coffees. Um, this is different than I remember, but it's quite good. It's, it's got a nice, it's just chocolatey and mocha y. And yeah, it's, 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 I'm going to chug it. I, I know I am, but uh, I'll try not to. After I took my first sip and I went back to smell <clears throat> this beer again, Ooh, that's immediately when I got some of those kind of fruit notes you were talking about. What yeah. are you picking out of here, Harrison, as you go back into the to the front? Yeah. It's almost like you get that again, it's like a, it's subtle, but it feels like chocolate covered raspberries almost for like a minute. There's like a little bit of that, like or maybe even boysenberry, some kind of darker fruit. <clears throat> um just for a second though, but it's really chocolatey. It's very like bittersweet kind of baker's chocolate almost the way it is sitting on my tongue right now. Um, which is, is, is awesome. And you can tell, I mean, as the brewery said, I mean, hearty meal or, or not, I mean, it goes well by itself. It kind of is a, a meal in a glass, which a lot of dark beers or maybe certain specific dark beers have, you know, earned that as a reputation for a while. I can get that here. 
um, 6.2%, which is nice. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, this is great. But again, it's so like, it's one of those beers where it's like, perfect. I can drink this. A lot's happening. It will change as it warms up, but it's not overwhelming. I'm not like, what, where's the vanilla? Where's the wood? I can't taste the marshmallow. I know I'm really knocking at chunked beers, but, um, <laughs> but my, at the end of the week, my brain just wants to go, I get you not going to scavenger hunt inside something. That's just me. I just want to be yeah. able to go, got it. <laughs> I, I want to say that. And I want to, you know, I want to be kind of like a, a, a bitter old man with you on this one. But I, whenever I drink a dark beer, I'm really hoping that there's like a, a half a jar of Peter Pan in there mixed with some Oreo crumbles. Yeah. Um, I, I want it to be thick and desserty, but this, this beer isn't that. Uh, it, would it be good with marshmallow? Probably, but it isn't in there. It's, I think most of the flavors come from the malt. And for me, yeah. the big is 6.2, which is, I guess, by American standards, like low ABV. But right. um, I can't I can't imagine getting off of uh, a long shift of punting in 1800s <laughs> London before yeah. there was air conditioning. Not that it's hot in London, but like finishing up my day of work and then going to crush a few of these. There's a lot of flavor in here to have four or five of these where yeah. you would think a brown ale or maybe a light beer, even though they barely existed back then, would have been more quaffable. Yeah, great point. And um, yeah, right. It's funny. And obviously, I mean, I think, you know, if you do the, read a little bit about the history of the porters, it kind of did. Be, it started as like kind of people bar backs or blending beers behind the bar to kind of make a darker, browner beer. So this had like a, an interesting inception what we're drinking today and i'm i would guess that uh and maybe we'll ponder a little bit more on this in a bit but the the porters of like the early 1800s probably weren't this strong but i mean i don't know um i am just i'm just guessing but what i can say for certain is that so we're drinking obviously draymond's porter today which has uh, seven thousand check-ins on untapped this beer, though, is also the base beer for Berkshire Brewing Company's Coffee House Porter that has almost 40,000 check-ins. So they kind of like took this beer and the coffee notes were enjoying and grabbed some of Dean's Beans Organic Coffee, um, which is a local roastery up in New England in Massachusetts. Shout out to Dean's Beans. Shout out to Dean's Beans um, and, uh, and dropped it in this exact beer um, and made Coffee House Porter, which is... Not surprisingly, again, knowing how the, the craft beer world seems to have been insatiable. Oh, good thirst for um, for like crazy flavors in their darker beers. Um, they went that route and said, "Cool, let's add coffee to this and, and quench that thirst." So, um, if you guys are drinking this or your hands on it or like, I like coffee porters. Perfect. Berkshire Brewing Company's got you covered. And honestly, I get a lot of coffee in here. I mean, yeah, I think you should. It's probably hard. Can you think of a dark beer that doesn't have a lot of coffee flavor in it? Or even I mean, maybe I should say not a lot, but like a dark beer that doesn't taste a little bit like coffee. Yeah. The, most of them, again, you know, roast roasted malts. They are going to, I mean, they're roasted. Coffee beans are roasted. Like really what we're tasting in both coffee and 
beer like this is like the roasting process. Um, it's just kind of, you know, easy to recognize it in coffee. Um, so we kind of default to that as saying it's a co- it's got coffee notes. I think it's really like that roasting. You're it's just tasting the roast. If that makes any yeah, sense, yeah, but like for you, but for to answer your question, when I am hunting for that, I go right towards like Schwartz beers or dark lagers, black lagers, where it's going to be crisper and smoother and not necessarily have less um, roasted malts in it, or especially malts in those beers, but just the lagering process gives it time to mellow out. The yeast is going to do different things. It's like I said earlier, a lot of that, like, the bitterness of the hops with the roasted malt, it makes it feel more like coffee. Like there is a coffiness to this. It's a lot of coffee, obviously, is bitter. When that goes away with like a Schwartz beer where that aren't hopped to the same rate as, as a porter, and it also pulls away from some of the kind of coffee experience of it. So there's a lot of things going on in the darker lagers of the world where you can get like, cause again, like a great Schwartz beer will have like a quick coffee note in it for me, but it really just fades into just like a nice lager um, much quicker than this beer is where it's almost feeling like I'm the, I'm the coffee is building in my mouth. Every time I take a sip of this guy, it's getting more intense, um, which I, is what you would expect. As you ran through that, I came up with a great, would you rather for a little Ooh. bit later in the show, if we get time Perfect. for it. Good. But I did want to, while we're talking about this beer, before we get into the badge highlights, before we started recording tonight, you were talking about um, Berkshire Brewing's, I'm going to say marketing strategy, and I'm going to yeah. hope you'll evaluate on that a little bit for people yeah. listening. Yeah, I mean, so I, again, kind of started my beer career in New England, and the first time I saw Berkshire Brewing Company was in like every state store you know where you can buy alcohol in connecticut every single one had a berkshire brewing company either stand or refrigerator that was branded berkshire brewing company full of berkshire beers and as like a young beer consumer i was like this must be the best beer in the world they have their own fridges it's always cold and i mean i really think they did it i mean you know, I don't know, but I mean, they obviously care about their beer. They care about freshness and quality. They want their beer to be cold. I don't know what came first. If they were like, we just need to invest in fridges so that our beer always tastes great. Or if they were like, hey, if we always have the coldest beer in the store, we're going to sell out of it. Maybe a little marketing, a little production team meeting happened and they you know landed on, let's just get fridges everywhere. But they're still around. Like if you go into almost any connecticut beer store chances are there's some old now probably loud you know because <laughs> the capacitors are wearing out or whatever um fridge uh in there that's branded berkshire brewing but it was such a yeah it was such a memorable experience and i and i feel like i even remember like going into a couple different beer stores and always seeing it and be like i gotta try this i can't believe they have their own fridge they also were very big into the 22 ounce bottles of bombers when bombers were everywhere. So that's the first time I had Raymond's. I've never had actually in a can until tonight. I don't think um, it was 22 ounces, and it was a great price point. It was like 3.99 for any of their 
bombers. And I was like, great, I'll grab five of these. That's my weekend. I'll see you later. So they were, they're great. I mean, they're great, really great classic beers like this one. That's just like, you want a porter that tastes like a porter. Awesome. Drink it. But they have the Brewers Select Series. It's really cool. They have a hilarious Sour Series we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, that's, that's the name's amazing. And they're, they're, so they're doing everything a great craft brewery should. But yeah, it was just no other brewery in the state in New England, as far as I know, had that approach where you can walk in anywhere and always see a branded fridge and get, you know, a cool, if I go to this place, they'll always have cold, fresh Berkshire brewing. In fact, I'm remembering this last point. They also used to fill up growlers fresh at the brewery and drop those off of the fridges as well. And actually, I think that's why they invested in the fridges first was we're going to be the only brewery that is sending fresh growlers to package stores for people to buy. Um, that's exactly why. And again, I don't know the, the why buy behind that. Why did we, why did they decide to do it? And that's really cool and unique. Um, but that was a big part of their early history was I could go to a liquor store. I keep saying package stores, what we call them, but like a liquor store, whatever, and get a growler of beer. Um, and they were easily the first brewery that I remember to do that too. So cool history doing things you don't really see anyone else doing and and doing them well. And they have for many, many years. Yeah. They got their start in 1994. So there's people listening and drinking their beer that weren't even born. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody was rolling out delivering growlers all across Connecticut, which also sounds like a, I mean, most fun. Um, I get get nervous carrying one growler home in my car. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So brave shout out to the, the delivery guys, the sales guys at BBC for making that happen. They're really just BBC in general for again doing their things their their own way and, and making something great for many, many years. That's tough. We've all seen it kind of the breweries that you like maybe fade away or, you know, trends change and they decide, eh, that's not for us. And then, you know, two years later, they're like, oh, shoot, we missed a big boat. So <laughs> they're smart. Um, and uh, yeah, and then they're killing it. Yeah, helping. I mean, when I think of branded refrigerators and stores, I think of Coca Cola and Red Bull. So, right, I know. I mean, the only exactly. thing Berkshire didn't do is sponsor the Olympics or create an extreme sport, but maybe <laughs> it's coming. Uh, That's right. So yeah, yeah. Berkshire on the moon. Yep, exactly. Well, yeah, that'd be good. I don't know if it'd be it's certainly cold enough in space. It wouldn't need the fridges. Um, so that might save them some overhead, Space which is exciting. Coming soon. <laughs> oh man, this is delicious. All right, cool. So let's talk more about this badge to the port, John. What did you find out about how many people are out there on the same porter train as us? What do we know? What are they drinking? Yeah, we're gonna have to remember when we do the stout badge to yeah. compare these numbers but yeah. for the porter we're a little over half a million uh close actually close to six hundred thousand unlocks on this badge. Nice. so i mean just strictly based on numbers probably every untapped user has checked into a porter but maybe not five different porters and that's right. holding some people back but also i to me that makes me think there's not a lot of porters to choose from. The stout badge I expect is going to be nearly double yeah. those unlocks. Um, yep. So I don't know. Let's let's get let's give porters some love. They're virtually, 
you know, close cousins. And I'm going to stop preaching about giving porters love. Give them Oreos and bananas. That's what I want. But let's talk about what everyone else on Untapped wants. This actually will help kind of break it down. So the beer that has helped most people unlock this badge, Breckenridge Brewery. Everybody knows this beer, Vanilla Porter. It's delicious, accurately named. But then right below them is Deschutes, Black Butt Porter. So you've got like an adjunct vanilla porter competing with a very traditional one and then right below that founders porter which is like a barometer for the style yeah yeah founders porter is outstanding and then you go into death by coconut from oscar blues that is incredible um death by coconut then sweet baby jesus which is peanut butter then snowdrift vanilla from line and kugel and then boulder beer makes one called shake yeah have you had that before here? Yeah, that's great. It's a, that's a chocolate porter. Yep, they, yep, it's delicious and very. I think I remember correctly, pretty well hopped as well. Um, so it's kind of like a just like we're drinking tonight. A, yeah, bitter, grassy, chocolatey uh, porter. It's great. And then we we rounded out with Great Lakes Eddie Fitzgerald or Edmund mm-hmm. Fitzgerald. If you're a yep. fan of boats. Yep. Uh, ballast points victory at sea and it's the it's the base victory at sea not their coconut or peanut butter or rum or any of the right. variants unfortunately and then an icelandic toasted porter mm. from an icelandic brewery whose name i'll leave out for posterity's sake but <laughs> so i think the traditional style porters are five and the adjunct style porters are five so we're at like a dead split on untapped for nice. are you drinking traditional porters or vanilla right. peanut butter porters and you know where i want to go with this but i know and yeah, so far, right. yeah half half of everyone is is with you or whatever at least in their early porter experience and yeah i always wonder we can't see it but it, i wonder how many of those adjunct infused porters were checked in recent probably most of them within the last five years or so where um oh, the breckenridge has been around for a while whereas i would guess that a lot of those Deschutes check-ins are older, but who knows? Um, who knows? I'm curious to see which way it's going. If uh, I imagine it's the way of the adjunct, but who knows? We'll see. Speaking of working class porters, there's nothing yeah. more popular among the working class than a good wager. Um, oh, actually, boy. Well, probably should, I don't want to get canceled, but any working <laughs> class family I've been a member of loves to right. gamble and bet against there each you other. Go. Harrison, I'm coming in with this badge. Actually, not as good as I would have assumed. Uh, but again, the porter needs more love. I'm at level nine on this badge. And my most recent unlock came from Oscar Blue's Hot Box Coffee Porter. It's an amazing uh. beer and porter. But it was December. Um, so it's been like, what, three quarters of a year since I've leveled right. up this badge. Uh, oh, what man. about you, Harrison? Uh, once again, John, you are going to one-up me here. Well, I'm only at level six, so also thought I'd thought, thought I, I need to hold myself to a higher standard in the Porter world. I don't want to make excuses, but I do every time I'm low. <laughs> where my old, everyone, I mean, check my check-ins, folks. I'll, I'll check in the same Porter 90 times, and uniques are what you need um, to make a difference, so... 
Founders Porter. I'm just trying. To, I was trying to look it up quickly to see how many uh, how many times I've checked like, in that beer alone. <laughs> I'm drinking in the same beer. Yeah, I know. Only four times for Founders Porter. I felt like there was one that I. Eh, whatever, it doesn't matter. All right, but so um, and most recently, Sam Smith's Taddy Porter. So one of the OGs, if you will, one of the yeah. original Porter's original recipe from Sam Smith uh, themselves, and that was also back in. Um, I think in December or so. So back in the the two cold weeks we have down here, got uh, got my porter on um, and cool beer. Um, very much enjoyed it as I'm enjoying the sun tonight. And so before I ask, I've got a would you rather that I'm I'm excited to get your feedback on, but I want to ask an untapped related question because oh, it seems like a good time to do this when when I'm checking into a beer. I'm, I'm really only going to check into it. I want to provide a photo because, I mean, it has to be provable. But I usually only check into a beer once. And if I drink it again, I don't check into it again unless my ratings have changed. Like if I go right. back when I hated sours and now I drink the same one and I like it, then I'm going to check it in and I'm going to adjust my rating. But it's rare that I'll check into the same beer time and time again, mm-hmm. Harrison. What you usually you'll do that more than me. Is there a reason behind that? Uh, I think it used to be if I discovered the same beer in a different format, I would check it in. So like if I had founders out of the bottle, great. I found it on cask. I'm checking that in and I'm looking at my bottle notes and then kind of holding that up to the cask version, draft version. That's an easy one. If it's a beer that I've had before, but I'm, Get, have it off the hand pump or having a nitro version of it or whatever. I'll jump it untapped and go, Ooh, have I had this beer this way? Um, Cause that's enough when you change, I mean, how it's served to, I think warrant just a different, just a different kind of a pause and go, all right, what's different. Let me look at my past tasting notes. So this was super rose last time I had it, yada, yada. So that's, that's, that's easy. Every time there's an, again, a beer presented that I've had before, but in a new way, I'll jump in in the check-in. Sometimes it also happens like, um, now I'm thinking about it. I'll drink like my favorite beers around some of my favorite holidays or favorite activities, which I feel like is a good time to check in too. And also sometimes it's a good time to, um, you know, check in just to tag my friends or, you know, whatever, see what they're drinking. Cause we're all drinking the day before Thanksgiving or, you know, in the States or watching football games the week between Christmas and, uh, and new Year's. So there's kind of occasions, universal ones where checking in, um, I'm probably going to be a hat before. Cause I tend to do that again, the around holidays, um, and stuff, but, um, maybe want to take a picture of the Christmas tree or whatever. Yeah. So, um, you know, things like that. It's, it's more like, it's not as scientific or whatever. It's more just kind of <laughs> like, yeah, this is a nice moment. And I happen to be drinking this beer again for Bill's too hearted in Sierra Nevada though. It's kind of just like, I haven't had this in six months and I'm just going to drink it for a whole month. And I'm going to take a lot of pictures and then I'll go through cycles with those beers. Cause they're some of my favorites. So those are the two I've had the most and checked in the most mm-hmm. easily. I think of all the untapped users I know or am friends with, which is a lot. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Yes. Of all the people that I know that use untapped, you do, I think, treat it like a memory bank more than anyone else. Oh, I had this beer and -and so-and-so. And like, I I love the way that you use untapped and I'm going to leave it there, but 
Um, but I, I like talking about how we use Untapped, and yeah. I, I won't say that you use it better than me, but I am kind of jealous. Mm. Anyways, <laughs> let's pivot away from that. There's therapy later. That's uh, right. Harrison, I got a would you rather for you before we oh, get boy. into this week's verified venue. And I'm, cool. I think you'll do good with it. Okay. We're talking about Dean's Beans and we we're talking about dark beers tasting yep. like coffee. Yep. And I started thinking like, why doesn't Dunkin' Donuts brew a beer? I mean, that would probably sell well. I've seen collaborations. So my question for you is, would you rather drink beers brewed by Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks. Oh, this is also going to reveal my New England route route routes <laughs> or Tim Hortons maybe if right something. But um, Dunkin' Donuts easily, and I mean I know Harpoon did that cool collaboration with them, which I didn't even have. I don't think. Um, but right, I get what you're saying. Actually, walk into a Dunkin' Donuts and have a 15 year old high school kid. With his voice cracking, hand me a beer. Um, uh, yeah, but I'm going Duncan, and it's that's for no. I'm not saying like oh they got better coffee, whatever. It's all relative. Coffee is well within a range, I guess, pretty relative. And like a lot of things, it's all about kind of where you started. And Dunkin' Donuts everywhere in New England, it's everywhere now. But in New England, it's like on every corner, kind of like Starbucks is everywhere else. So uh, growing up. We were, my mom went to Dunkin' Donuts all the time. Dunk, Munchkins are the best. Like, Dunkin' Donuts has a special place in my heart that my trying to introduce my kids to. Sausage, egg, and cheese on a croissant. I'll have that for every meal, even though it's, you know, weirdly floppy and moist for some reason. Each time I get it, I don't care. Um, so I'm a huge Dunkin' fan. It's Dunkin' all the way. And that's not to like knock Starbucks or go against Starbucks because it's a cooler hip or whatever. I just. I'm, I'm, I, I, this man runs on Duncan or Wawa, but Duncan is in my blood, I guess. And Wawa is in my, I don't know, my pancreas. I don't know. Not important. Um, <laughs> but I'm a, yeah, Duncan man through and through. Although I will tell you, oh, here we go. I did have, so everyone knows about the pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks and we're in pumpkin spice latte season. However, last year, Starbucks introduced the pumpkin cream cold brew. So pumpkin spice latte, usually hot. Pumpkin cream cold brew, obviously cold. Pumpkin cream cold brew outsold pumpkin spice latte last year, which was crazy. They brought it back. It's amazing. I had one of those the other day. It's like a milk <laughs> pumpkin cream milkshake that has coffee in it. So if that was a beer, now we got a competition going on. Uh, now I have some thinking to do, John, because that was a heck of a drink. Um, but I guess I'll stick with my original answer, go with my honor, my, my heritage and say, Duncan, brew up some beer, brew up some coffee. Let's party. But don't sleep on Starbucks, pumpkin, cream, cold brew, coffee, beer, maybe in the future. And that's a future I want to live in. That was kind of my thoughts is that Starbucks would rule the like adjunct kind of mm. one off. Like I would, a, a flat white sure. is the weirdest thing to right. say to a barista. And I don't even know what's <laughs> frustrating about it. But whenever mm. my wife says, I'm going to Starbucks, do you want anything? Yeah, flat white. Isn't that flat just white. a regular coffee? I don't know. I don't know right. what, what makes it unique, but I would order it as a stout as well. Yeah. Um, and if, 
if we weren't going to Dunkin' Donuts Brewery or Starbucks Cidery, uh, yep. where would we be going if we were talking about maybe the best verified venue uh, that you want to shout out this week, Harrison? Yes, this is fun. Stick it in New England. I discovered the Malted Barley in Providence. There are two locations. Talking about the, the Providence one, which is actually the second one. And I found it just by being on Berkshire Brewing Company's Untapped Brewery page and kind of seeing where people enjoying their beers. And the Malted Barley popped up again and again. They have a, a lot of, of Berkshire Brewing Company stuff on tap. As a recording, they had, listen to this, a Pucalypse Wow. Pucalypse Wow which I'm, I'm laughing as a, a fan of Apocalypse Now, uh, Mango Pineapple. So this is their like sour beer series I was referring to a little while ago called Apocalypse Now. The can art's hilarious, different fruits all the time. So Mango and Pineapple are, are ripping through it, and um, people are enjoying it. But they also have a lot of other great beers, like Pseudo Sue from Public Goliath, Dogs and Boats, which was like from Beard Brewing, which is one of those beers, and it came out, people were freaking out about it and standing in line and... Now you can find it much easier. So hats off to them for finding something great and running with it. But Fiddlehead, Zombie Dust, so lots of stuff you you know you would hope to see at any great craft beer bar. Also, some limited releases from Narragansett, so not just the lager or fresh catch, but they had like a cucumber lime beer on tap. So lots of cool beers going on in the Mountain Barley. So I dug a little bit deeper, wanted to learn why is it here, what's the history. Turns out uh, the Malted Barley in Providence was opened by a guy named Ron Collar. He grew up in the former beer capital of the world, which is, according to Ron, I'm imagining, although probably some publication, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'm not going to argue. That's a great beer okay. city. Um, so beer capital of the world, Milwaukee. Uh, loved beer his whole life. In college, he worked at a bar that had a lot of imports, like 250 beers from around the world. Drank them all. So he was doing lots of work in college, in class, and after class. Good on you, Ron. I hear you there. Um, and I you know, just really enjoyed it and, and the variety that imports were providing him. And then so about 10 years ago, he was watching the rise in craft beers and, and noticed the quality was finally kind of catching up with the imports. which got him pretty excited and wanted to open up his own business. Um, so he you know, dusted off the old craft beer bar business plan um, and set out to do a lot of market research which John and I are doing right now, and we're always doing, you guys are always doing, it's great. We all have our craft beer bar plans somewhere in some file in our computer, I'm sure, so always good to research that. But he kind of went in Providence, discovered the malted barley in Westerly, so the original malted barley, and realized this is awesome. They had some pretty cool parts of their business. John's talking about in a minute, beyond just the beer, we're going to deal with them and open up his own malted barley um, in Providence himself. So really cool story. Ron just chasing his college dreams, which is something we should all, you know, strive for. I think, well, depending on the dream, I guess this is a good one though. It's beer related and it's pretzel related. So you did some work on their soft pretzel menu, which I took a peek at and my job before, but these guys malted barley is, is no joke. What's what's happening, John. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, beer is the the reason behind this show, and Untapped <laughs> is a way for us to find and keep track of our beers and connect. But pretzels are important, yeah. whether they're hard or soft. This uh, malted barley, what they do is they make their own pretzel dough in house. So nice. you know, get it. Uh, they also stuff their pretzels 
So there's no more of an American like Wisconsin thing than a stuffed pretzel. They bake them. So when you get yours, it's like coming straight out of the oven, soft, kind of chewy pretzel inside. But generally speaking, from what I can see by photos and reviews, it's got that little crisp on the outside. And then, so I've explained to you an ideal pretzel. And when I say stuffed, (laughs) I'm talking like bacon cheddar, jalapeno cheddar, mozzarella tomato. Like have fun with your stuffed pretzels, but then they also have an amazing amount of dipping sauces, beer yeah. cheese, spinach dip, spicy mustard, hummus, guacamole. Yeah. Yes. There was one that was like uh, apricot butter or, or, or some kind of citrus butter, blue Classic. cheese. I mean, yeah, I, I do love beer, but when I can get a, a mozzarella tomato stuffed beer and have cream cheese frosting to dip it into <laughs> and just, let me be my own fancy, weird adjunct brewer making mistakes with your pretzels that I eat. It yeah. sounds amazing. I know. It really and does. I could imagine me and Harrison, I'd love to go there and I'd say we would do like a live podcast, but really I just eat myself into a coma. You know, you just hear us chewing, yeah, chewing in the microphone, which is not, no one wants to hear that, but in the I don't know. Sweats. Well, like, yeah, let us know where the pretzel sweats. They get me quick, all the salt, it just purges all the things in my body. Anyway, but definitely malted barley. If you're in Rhode Island, you could walk from one end to the other in an hour and a half. So yeah, swing by malted barley. They have some sick beer on tap. You can check them out on untapped. You can fly right into Providence, swing by malted barley, grab a pretzel. Boom. You've experienced most of Rhode Island. Sounds like (laughs) the best pretzel menu I've ever heard of. But speaking of best Harrison, what was the best beer of the week that you had? That's what I'm excited to hear about. Yes. And it was a doozy. So I'm always every year on the lookout for my next favorite Oktoberfest. I think I found it. Zirkus Fest, Oktoberfest from Highwire. So John and I were lucky to once again host the, the next edition or the most recent edition of the virtual beer hunt with Lowe's Foods. And this time we had three breweries from the Asheville NC area. Uh, on that show, Wicked Weed, Highland Brewing, and Highwire, all the beers were great. I mean, it really, it was so cool the way it was curated and uh, getting to talk to the brewers, owners. Oscar from Highland's amazing. I mean, if you don't know about him and his story, take some time, look it up. You can also watch that live stream that John and I did on Lowe's Foods website um, whenever you want to. But anyway, all the beers are great. Um, but the we, the first beer we had was Zirkus Fest, Oktoberfest from Highwire. Uh, and it was amazing. It was nice. It was amber. It was crisp. It actually, won, it's won the Karen American Beer Festival gold medal, I think, back in 2015. So it's I'm not the only one who thinks it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> and Peter, one of Highwire's brewers that we were speaking with, let us in on a little secret. They actually utilized some honey malt in the grain bill of their Oktoberfest, which is pretty cool. And that adds kind of like what I was tasting. It was like a really subtle like unique graham cracker note for like a second that really it surprised me. It woke me up. It made me go, what is happening? This is delicious. And it really put that beer over the top. So cool night as always, but that beer really, I'm excited. And he also let us know that I believe for the first time ever, Highwire is also canning a fest beer. So we've talked about that on other podcasts, go look it up, the difference between fest beers and, um, and Marzins, but they're canning that too. Um, so I'm on the, the hunt for their best beer and do a little side-by-side comparison and maybe that'll show up in another best beer of the week. But what about you, John? What did you, what did you learn? What'd you have? What's happening? 
Yeah, a great throwback. That Circus Fest was good. I'm waiting yeah. for America to have an event that's kind of like able to rival uh, Germany's Oktoberfest. Maybe one day. But for me, the best beer of the week comes from Lake, uh, comes from Great Lakes Brewing, Lake Erie yeah. Monster. Yeah, uh, yeah. Me and my mailman and the untapped user Loud McLeod were able to share this beer together. Um, but Lake Erie Monster is a, a longtime stud from Great Lakes. It's a big yeah. Imperial IPA. And it was, it's like you get a little bit of that like fruit flavor that you would expect from the hops, but it was also kind of malty. Mm. And when I was talking to Brian McCaskey about it, he said, you know, wouldn't it be a really cool thing if Lake Erie Monster fought Rogue's Colossal Claude? And I said, yes, that's a great idea. I can't yep. make the monsters fight, but. Some of the stats I pulled up on Untapped. Mm. Quick rundown before you yep. build your own charts. We've got ABV Claude coming in at eight point two with mm. Lake Erie Monster ringing the scales at nine point five. Ooh, wow! And we've got check-in count Claude pulling up the rear with twelve thousand check-ins. He's a new right. fighter on the scene. Lake Erie Monster owns this hundred and twenty-five thousand check-ins. Wow. A rating game is where I think the battle is won or lost. And Claude sure. has a 3.81. Nice. The Lake Erie Monster, maybe just a little bit more lore, a little bit more reach, 3.87. So I'm wow. going to give it to Lake Erie Monster, but I would love to see Great Lakes and Rogue create this for us in real life. Oh, yeah. Or someone else who knows how to animate. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. And I think you also you hit the, the, the most important kind of notes there for me are that right claude is new Twelve thousand check-ins is a ton but hundred twenty-five thousand is obviously you know 10 times more so um that's a uh, cure and, and they're so close in the rating you wonder a couple years with claude out there maybe a tie i think this does deserve some kind of throwdown so we'll, we'll put that out there in the universe and uh see what happens i guess <laughs> <laughs> Before that happens, um, as we get ready to wrap this episode, I want to remind everybody listening that if you, for any reason, enjoy me and or Harrison, or <laughs> you just tap to want to learn more about some of the backstory and some of the badges and beers, follow us, me or Harrison, but definitely follow Untapped. You can follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. They're doing a lot of content, happy hours. Yeah meeting with different brewers, having people do quick videos, showing off their own beer collection. It's a really cool place to just learn about beer. And thanks for drinking a dark colored beer with us. It's not quite cold yet. I know we did ES recently in pastry stouts in July, but I guess <laughs> it's always a good time for a dark beer. But what about next week? Harrison, what are we doing next week? That's right. So next week, grab your favorite local craft beers. Untapped can actually have a new badge coming out that supports your favorite local brewery. We'll tell you more what we mean next week. We're actually going to have a quick chat with Anne Openchain from the Brewers Association to tell us more about this really cool initiative, supporting local beer, getting out there, supporting your local brewery, as I know we all are. But uh, now you have a badge to earn along the way. So we'll have tons more details about that next week. Until then, yes, cheers, cheers, a little bit left. Yeah, drink local. <laughs>